touchdown, okay? You get to score, okay? When you get older, people will like you for that, all right? But the cool thing about scoring is you, so you get to do a touchdown dance. Does anybody have one of those for us? You got, oh, can't really see that, but okay. That'll get you a penalty. So, there's so many cool things. You, yeah, you got one more. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Yeah, touchdown dance. Nice work, buddy. It's okay. All right. That, that's no bad. What, what different positions can you play in football? Those are all awesome things that you can do, but what positions can you play in football? Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Quarterback. Yeah, that's a great position. Quarterback's got to lead the offense and, and give directions and things like that. Okay, what else? Wide receivers. They run out, they run hard, and they catch the football and block. Running back. Okay, they get to carry the ball. Okay, anything. Those are all different. Yeah, one more. Interceptors. Those are the guys on defense. Cornerbacks, the safeties. Okay, all of those different positions, guys, they come together and they make one team. Okay, so what? So, so I mean, when I, I coached for the Wildcats, Coach Marvels for the Wildcats, Coach Sunberg, they coached for the Jaguars. But what are your some of your favorite teams? Some of your favorite football teams? Raise your hand. Yeah, the Chiefs. Okay, the Chiefs. Missouri Tigers. Yeah, they have a team. That's good. Yep. KU. Yeah. Who do you? Nice job, KU. Yeah. The 49ers. Okay, so those are those are all good teams. Those are all professional teams, college teams. But all those guys work hard and they come together to form one team, okay? And us in this gym, you guys sitting here on the floor, you guys are part of the team too, okay? You guys are part of God's team, all right? And that's the most important team. That's the greatest of all time team that it will ever be made, okay? So now that we know what team we're on, we're going to do it. Anytime a team gets together, do what's called a breakdown. They get everybody excited. You get everybody fired up and you're ready to go for the day, okay? And it's called a breakdown, Okay? So I'm going to yell something to you, and I want you to yell something to me back, okay? So when I yell, what team? You're going to yell, God's team, okay? Let's try that one time. Are you ready? All right, here we go. What team? All right. Okay, we're going to do that three times, okay? All right, you ready? What team? What team? What team? Okay, now we're going to do it three times, and then I'm going to ask you to clap. I'm going to say... God's team, give me three. One, two, three. Okay? All right, can you do that? I'll just do that right now. Okay, you ready? God's team, give me three. You guys are pretty good. All right, we'll put that all together. Okay, you ready? What team? What team? What team? God's team, give me three. All right, let's see if your parents can beat you on this, okay? All right, Gateway, let's rock this thing out, okay? I'm yelling. I have a microphone, so I'm going to be loud. You guys don't have a microphone, so be even louder than that, okay? Here we go. What team? What team? What team? God's team, give me three. Woo! That's good stuff right there. Okay, now we've got the breakdown here. Now everybody knows what team we're on. Now we're fired up and we're ready. I want you to focus in on this, okay? How do we know? You know, you score these touchdowns, you run, you catch these passes, you run the ball, you have a quarterback. How do we know what we're supposed to do when we get on the field? You just run out there and do whatever you want? No. What, how do you know what to do? You follow the directions of the coach, okay? You also have the coach puts together a game plan. The coach puts together a playbook. The playbook tells you what to do, where to run, where to stand, who to cover, 
And it gives you all these instructions. And these positions that we talked about, you need specific talents and abilities. And you guys have been gifted with talents and abilities to play a certain role to follow God's playbook. And this right here is God's playbook. Since we're on God's team, the Bible is our playbook. So we need to study this and focus in this so we know what to do once we get on the field. Okay? One of the greatest, and you said follow the directions of the coach. One of the greatest coaches of all time on God's team was the Apostle Paul. Okay? And Coach Paul in Philippians talks about three things that I want you to understand. Okay? The first thing is, Coach Paul says you must live as citizens of heaven. And in order to do that, you've got to study your playbook. You've got to get in the Bible. Okay? And then you've got to get on that field and you've got to perform. Okay? You've got to live as citizens of heaven. The second thing Coach Paul says that, that I want you to understand is that he says, I know that you're standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, that you're not alone. Okay? There's 11 people on the field of, for, on, a, on a football team. Your, your favorite player, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, whoever that is, I wish there was a Raiders player, but there's no good ones, okay? Whoever your favorite player is, they can't do it by themselves. They need the rest of their team around them. If they're by themselves, okay, and you've got two people, if you've got, if you're just by yourself and your enemy's trying, or your opponent's trying to pull you apart, that's pretty easy. Okay, but if you all come together as a team, there's nothing, nothing that can break you apart, especially if you're on God's team. So that's the second part, the second point that I want you to understand that Coach Paul's talking about. The third thing is, at the end of the game, there's a winner and there's a loser, okay? All right? No matter how hard you try, there's going to be somewhere on there. And Coach Paul says, don't be intimidated. And intimidated means scared. All right? He says, don't be intimidated in any way by your opponents. This will be given a sign. This will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. So what that tells us is that if you're on God's team, you're going to win. The ultimate victory is going to be ours. And it doesn't just say it's an overtime victory. It was a close game. It says your enemy is going to be destroyed. That means the score is going to be like a million to zero. And you guys are on the winning team. So to, to review that, stay in your playbook. Okay? Stay with your team. Okay? And, and understand that, that playbook is the Bible. And that's going to give you direction on how to, how to perform when you're here. Okay? Stay surrounded by your team, all right? Because they're going to take care of you. Even if you mess up, your teammates are going to be right there to help you out. Okay, and the third point is don't be scared of anything because you're on the right team. And the score's already been determined. We're going to win, right? And whose team are we on? God's team. That's right. And with that, we're going to do one more breakdown with your mom and dad, okay? So you guys stand up. We one last breakdown in. Stand up. You remember? Stand up right here, okay? And we'll do one big gateway breakdown, okay? And that's what your mom and dad's here. Go turn and face them, okay? Stand right where you are. Turn around. Remember, when I say what team, what are you going to yell? God's team. Did we forget already? Okay. All right. When I yell what team, what are you going to yell? Okay. And then at the end of those three times, I'm going to say God's team, give me three. And we're going to clap three times, all right? Let's see if you can be louder than your parents. Parents, see if you can be louder than your kids, okay? And then we'll be done here. All right. Ready? What team? What team? One team. God's team, give me three. Woo. 
Thank you, guys. You guys go with your teammates out in the, in the bleachers. Uh, well, Wendell stole all my points. And since there's no kids' quest today, we can just go home. So I'll see you all next week. My name's Adam again, and I'm one of the volunteer student ministry leaders. And I've been in Philippians. Have you guys enjoyed Philippians? Yes? Oh, somebody gave me three. Um, all right. Philippians has been a ton of fun for me. Um, you know, starting, I started looking at Philippians in April and kind of preparing and getting ready. And then we dug in in June. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but every week we had somebody read the section that we were in. Um, so that at the end of the eight weeks that we were together, if you were here every week, you heard or read through the entire book of Philippians. So, pretty cool. As a church, we read through Philippians together and we dug into it, verse by verse, section by section, and kind of breaking it down and moving forward. And so what I want to do today is just kind of recap the series and kind of give you one last piece to walk out on. It's, it's always nice just to kind of finish but we kind of got to tie it together and put a bow on it and make it, make it useful, right? Because we can, stuff that we learned last week, we might have forgotten things we learned the first week. So we kind of got to make it all connect, right? So starting in week one, we learned about Paul writing this letter to the Philippians, right? To the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, which is a Roman city. And it's Paul's first church plant in a Roman city. He starts this church and he starts it buddy of his, and they go into this town and they meet a few people, and some of those people we know by name, we know Lydia, we know the jailer, excuse me, we know Epaphrodites, he's moved on and kind of helped Paul out, right, we've seen his name a bunch in the, in the book, but we've seen Paul start this church, and then he lays, and he, he starts the church and he leaves, and now Paul's in jail, in, an, in Rome, I think is what they think he's in, Rome or another city near Rome, He's in jail, and he's writing a letter to these people that he loves. My beard is hitting the mic, son. There we go. He's writing this letter to the people that he loves. And what he's saying to them is, hey, I hear awesome things from you guys. I hear that you are following God. I hear that you're doing the things that I've told you, that you're doing the things that you've learned, that you're understanding the truths of Scripture, that you're understanding the truths that Jesus taught. But what he says is, don't get comfortable. Right? Don't get comfortable. It's really easy. I think, like, there are certain, like, Saturdays where I wake up and I just put on, like, a pair of sweatpants and you're comfortable and then you don't do anything all day. Right? I'm just never going to happen again because in, like, a week we're having a baby. But right now, like, if the baby doesn't come by this Saturday, I might not do anything on Saturday, which would be crazy. Just get comfortable. The problem with getting comfortable is that it creates stagnation. It creates, I don't want to say laziness, but maybe a little bit of laziness in you, right? If you're comfortable, you're not moving, right? And what Paul's saying is don't get comfortable. You guys are doing awesome, but don't get comfortable. Don't just remember what God's done in your life. And don't just hear the stories of others, the stories that... God's done in other people's lives. Don't rest on your laurels. He's saying, step forward in faith and trust me and follow me. That's the whole letter. That's four chapters. Eight weeks of studying. Don't get comfortable. 
but move on in joy and in love and in grace and in peace. Let's go for this. Right? That's a quick recap of Philippians. And I just want to jump all the way back to chapter 1. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And we're just going to look at two verses today. Two verses that I think tie this thing into a bow, that tie Philippians up really neatly. And Wendell already read through some of it, but let's dig into chapter 1, verse 27. And I'm in the ESV version. Your version is going to be a little bit different than mine. But it says this, verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the Gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the Gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. Live your life in a manner that's worthy of the Gospel. What a statement. What a pillar. What a phrase. Living your life worthy of the Gospel of Christ. And so I was like, okay, what does it mean to be worthy of something? Because for me, like worth, you'd always think monetarily. So for me, worth is kind of based on salary. And so my worth, according to my employees, is a specific amount, or my employer, is a specific amount of money, right? Because I do the work. And they say you're worth it because this is how much work you do. This is how good you are at your job. Right? So you're worth it. But that's not how Paul's explaining it. He's not saying you have to do these things in order to be worth the gospel, in order to earn the gospel, in order to try hard so that you get the gospel of Christ. He's not saying that. He's saying it's a deserving effort, but that's not what matters. It's because you've received the gospel... Because you have been saved, that you should live lives that are worthy. Right? We try hard all the time at things. And I think sometimes we try hard at church. I know I have in the past tried really hard at church to look the part of church. But Paul's saying that's not the case. I want you to accept me and hold my salvation close. And then go out and live your life in a manner worthy of it. Then go out and live your life. Not because you need to in order to have my salvation, but because you have my salvation. You are compelled to. In Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, verse 14, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who should who live should... Excuse me, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ's love compels us to live a life worthy. It's not on our own, it's Christ's love that compels us. And it compels us to live a life worthy of what? Of the gospel of Christ. So we have to understand what the gospel of Christ is. We understand what he's saying by worthy, but what is the gospel of Christ? And really quickly and simply, it's this. God created us to look like Him, and we don't anymore because we have sin in our lives. God created us to be like Him, to have the same heart as Him, to have the same image of Him. When people see us, they should see Christ. But what happened is is sin entered the world, and we screw it up all the time. So that as I'm walking through this world, people don't see God anymore. They see Adam, and they see dirt, and they see junk. And Jesus came to this earth, God's Son came to this earth to fix that. To make it available for me to look like God again. 
for me to have the same heart as God again. For me to, to reflect God's love into this world again. The Gospel of Christ is saving me from my sin and pointing me to Jesus. Pointing me to God. The Gospel of Christ is everything that we do as a church. It's why we're here. Week in, week out. It's not for the music. It's not for the kids' moment. It's not for these other things. It is for Jesus Christ came to this earth and died so that my sins would be wiped away and that I could have a one-on-one relationship with God. That's the whole thing. That's why we're here. So we have to live our lives worthy of that, worthy of a guy who died for me so that I could have a relationship with God. I need to live my life in such a way that it reflects the love of God to others so that I can be worthy of that love. That's a hard thing to do. It's, it's very difficult. And it's not because I need to earn salvation. It's because He compels me to want to do that. Because the love of Christ compels us because of what He did for us. As I was digging into this, I was reading some commentaries and things, and one of the commentaries said that the phrase, live your lives worthy of the Gospel, can be translated as only behave as citizens worthy of the Gospel. As citizens. And so I was like, okay, so if we're citizens worthy of the Gospel, we're citizens of the Gospel, what does it look like to be a citizen? What does that mean? I mean, I have a passport. I'm a citizen of the United States. I have an ID. I'm a citizen of Missouri, right? I'm a citizen of Blue Springs. But what does that mean to be a citizen of the gospel? And so as I was thinking through it, I was like, what moments in time do we understand what it looks like to be a citizen of somewhere, right? Other than like spatially or physically. I mean, I'm, I'm like 100% American. I'm 6'6", six, six, like 275 big guy, right? I have a Midwest accent. It's obvious that I'm an American, right? So maybe that's an obvious reason, but what times in this, in this world we live in do we see groups of people come together as citizens? And I thought, like, well, the Olympics, we see, like, like this Olympic thing. We see athletes from different countries coming together as citizens of that country and competing for that country, right? But then recently, this summer, we saw the World Cup which was like crazy. You know, if you're not a soccer fan, that's okay, but it's nuts how many people watch the World Cup across the world. Citizens from across the world come together to cheer on their team. And I want you to watch this video. It should be pretty obvious what country these fans are from. Watch this.
right? Who, where, where are they from? Pardon? The U.S., right? It's crazy. You watch the World Cup, you see a game where Brazil's playing, and the whole stadium is yellow, because that's the color of their jersey. It's yellow. You see uh, the Netherlands play. Everybody's in orange. I don't know why the Netherlands are orange. Their flag colors are red, white, and blue, just like ours, but everybody's wearing orange on the field, right? They're super fans. They're citizens of that country, and they're excited about it. And Paul is saying, hey, live your life as citizens of the gospel. But what does that look like? How can we do that? And I, I'm going to just kind of lay out three ways that we can be citizens of the gospel. And the first way is to represent well. We need to represent well. Our lives should reflect the community that we live in. The fans of the U.S. soccer team call themselves the American Outlaws, which is crazy that they call themselves outlaws, but they call themselves the American Outlaws, and they are nuts. They represent well the United States in that environment. That environment calls them to be loud, it calls them to be rowdy, and it calls them to be fools. Right? But they represent well the U.S. Right? Our lives, in just like that, should represent the community we live in. And our community is heaven-bound. So just like Wendell told the students, how do we represent well? We dig into Scripture and we know the truth that God's laid before us of what our lives should look like pretty simple. I mean, he laid it out for the the kids. It's the same for us. Dig into Scripture. It's filled with the truths of God that walk us through how to live our lives and follow God and represent well our citizenship in the Gospel. We need to represent well. Another way is we can live out the promptings of God while we're representing. That's a way we can represent well is live out the promptings of God. When God says, hey, I need you to do this, we live it out. When the coach says, hey, I need you to do this in the game, kids, you live it out. That's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to follow the truths of Scripture, live out the promptings of God, and the third thing I would say is show up. When there are opportunities to live out the Gospel, to show up. The fans, I've not been to a U.S. soccer game, but they show up. Right In Brazil, was where the World Cup was, most of the tickets were sold to Brazilians. The next country, the next highest country that bought tickets was the U.S. Right? They sold over 100,000 tickets to people from the United States to go watch soccer games in Brazil. It's crazy. 100,000 tickets for like five games. Right? We lost. That's okay. We're building. 2016. Or 2020. Um, right? we got to show up when opportunities come across us where we can prove our citizenship to others. Right? They were proving that we are fans of U.S. soccer. We're going to go en masse and go and support our team. Right? We need to show up. There's a couple ways that we can show up right now. In like three weeks, in 24th, we've got serve day. Right? Serve day here at Gateway, where we go out into the community. Instead of meeting here, we go out into the community and we serve those around us. That's a way we can represent well our citizenship in heaven. And I know Jana needs a few more people to help her out with project managers and so on and so forth. So if you're willing to do that, go talk to Jana after. She's got orange sheets or something for you. 
Yeah, and they need projects. So if you know of projects, go talk to us. Right? We can serve at Serve Day. Another way we can represent well where we can show up is our church retreat. Coming in September. And yeah, we're not maybe going and proving our citizenship, but we're going together en masse as a group of people who believe in the same thing to be encouraged and lifted up so that we can continue on in the journey. So let me just encourage you, sign up for the church retreat. The first time, I came to Gateway for like a week or two weeks, I think. And then like the next week I was at the church retreat, which was weird as like a single 23-year-old. All right? Show up. Here like two weeks, and then I go by myself to this retreat. I'm staying in a cabin with a bunch of guys I don't know down at Lindemere. But it was a time where I got to know this church, and I fell in love with this church over that weekend. And I've been here ever since. So what I'm telling you is we can show up to these things and represent well our citizenship in the gospel. Our lives should reflect the community that we live in. Because we represent well. The second way that we can live out our lives as citizens of the gospel is that others should know to whom you belong. Others should know to who you belong. They belong to U.S. soccer. They were fans. It was super obvious. I mean, one guy was dressed up like a Revolutionary War hero, right? And if you were watching the World Cup, there was a guy dressed up like Teddy Roosevelt, which was crazy. He called himself Teddy Goldsevelt. I'm not kidding. And the crazy thing is, is he was representing the United States down there. He got national coverage. He was supposed to come back home. And his work said, no, we're going to pay for you to stay down there. Because you're representing well the United States and Brazil. Crazy, right? So we should look like citizens of the gospel. Our actions should clearly reflect Christ. So, if we are alive, if we're representing well and we're digging into the truths of, the, of Scripture and living out the promptings of God and showing up, it's going to be obvious to others who we belong to. It's going to be obvious that there's something different about this guy. It's going to be obvious that for some reason these people are completely different. My neighbor who lives right next door to me is in his late 70s and he's awesome and we have, don't really talk that much. But I asked him if we could do anything for him last year at Serve Day. And he's like, yeah, I need my trees trimmed. So a handful of folks came over and we trimmed this guy's trees. And him and I got to sit down and talk about the truths of Scripture together while we were trimming trees. You know, he attends another church. He teaches Sunday school. And he was telling me what they were teaching that Sunday in church. And we got to talk it through. And it was just cool. It was encouraging to know, hey, he belongs to the same team that I belong to. And other people in our community might also belong to the same team. And we have to open our eyes and start living it out ourselves so we know what team we're on. So we can go attack things together. So we can go and stand firm together when tough times come. But also others who don't know Christ are going to recognize that there's something different about you. That there's something different and something that is completely compelling about you. And they want to know this love of Christ that you know. So we need to represent well, and others need to know who we belong to. Others need to know super obviously who we belong to. It should look different enough that others want to know what's going on. We shouldn't look crazy like those folks on the video, right? Don't go around chanting and like wearing paint on your face. 
Jesus painted on your face. Right? But share the love of Christ by your actions. Share the love of Christ by how you move around this world. Whether that's at work, maybe it's at work and you've got like difficult people that you, you work with and you just struggle with them. And, I mean, we've all got them. I've got a handful in my office where it's just a struggle sometimes. And some days I have to go, oh man, Adam, you need to like change the way you're treating them or the way you're talking with them because it's not really worthy of the gospel. You're being short, you're being quick, you're just not being rude. You need to change the way that you act so that you're worthy of the gospel. Maybe it's on a sports team that you play on students that, hey, you know, it should be obvious to others who you belong to on the team. Maybe it's at school or when you're out with friends. Your actions should reflect the gospel of Christ. And the truths of Scripture are filled with ways to do that. So we need to look different so that others know who we belong to and we should represent well who we belong to. Let's jump back into First Philippians chapter 1. Let's look at the end of verse 27 and into verse 28. That you're to stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. Period. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. You should stand up and not be scared. You should be able to look at your opponent or the enemy and say, I'm not scared of you. Because we should believe that we are going to win. Right? There's a difference in knowing that you're going to win. Right? That's not any fun to know that you're going to win at the end of the game. But when you believe that you're going to win, there's something inside of you that stirs. Right? That just stirs. If you're at a sporting event, if you're at a Royals game and the Royals actually playing well this year, which is a blast. But if you're at a game and we're, we're down by a run, but the, the team is into it and the fans are into it, and you're standing in the stands, there's something inside of you that believes that, hey, we're going to win this. And when we have the gospel, when we have faith in Christ, that belief is so embedded in us that we can take on anything and not be frightened by our opponents and then the next sentence says this. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. So your opponents, by you not being frightened by them, is a clear sign to them that they're going to be destroyed. So when the enemy brings things to you in your life and you stand firm and you say, you know what, I believe that I'm going to win this battle because I know that I'm a citizen of the gospel and I represent well my citizenship and I live my life and others know that I'm a citizen and I'm going to stand firm in this and I'm going to believe that God's got this for me. I'm going to hold tight to that belief and I'm going to stand up to it. The enemy is destroyed. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. God wins. No matter what. Wendell said we're on God's team. We're citizens of the Gospel. God's team always wins. It never loses. It always wins. So we need to believe like we will live, win. 
John verse 16, verse 33, Jesus says these words, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I've already won. I've overcome the world. The, the area of your life where you have tribulation, don't worry about it because I've already won. And because I've won, you get to have peace in your life. So we need to live our lives as citizens of the Gospel. And so today, if you're here and you're, you're going, okay, I know we need to live like citizens of the Gospel, but I've never really understood the Gospel. I know Adam explained it earlier in the service, but I don't know what that is. Let me tell you this. Jesus Christ came to die for us so that our sins could be removed and we could have a relationship with God. And it's really easy to grab a hold of that. All you have to do is trust that God, what God says is true. That He actually did that for you. Believe it and tell Him that you believe it. And I would encourage you to tell others that you believe it. If you want to talk it through more, grab me, grab Megan, grab anybody here that you trust and talk to them. Because here's the deal. God wants you to be a citizen, citizen of the Gospel. He doesn't want you to be wandering around without a passport. He doesn't want you to not have the visa to get into this world, that he, this, this citizenship that He's created. No, he's, he's given you a clear way in. Believe in Me. And you're a citizen. Believe in Me. And you're a citizen. So do you trust Him? Do you believe Him? Come talk to us this morning and we'll dig into it. Okay. Quick wrap-up of Philippians. How can we live as citizens? We can represent well. Others should know who we belong to. And that we need to believe that we will win. We need to believe it. The fans on that video, they believed it. It was super obvious that they believed it. If you've been to a crazy soccer game, they believe it. We need to believe like that. That in our life, in our journey, in the, in the paths that God is bringing us down, when they're difficult, when they're tough, that, hey, God's got this and we're going to win. Our enemies are going to be frightened to the point of destruction, so we are winning this thing. But not, that doesn't mean it's going to be all peaches and roses and just great, Right? It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. The reason it's a struggle is so that we can stand up and declare our faith and make known our faith so that others can be drawn to it and others can come to know the same Christ that you know. So living our lives worthy of the Gospel is not for us, it's for Him. And it's so others will come to know Him. And it's so that you will trust Him every day. Alright? So this week, as you go, as you go about your business this week, whether it's work or vacation or whatever you're doing, students are prepping for camp. As they're preparing for camp, I would say, are you worthy of the Gospel? Is your life worthy of the Gospel of Christ? How are you representing Him? 
Is it obvious who you belong to? And do you believe that you're going to win? That God's got this? We're going to wrap up early today. There's no kids' quest, so they're not going to be mad at us. The nursery workers are going to love us. You get to beat the lines at whatever restaurant you're going to go to. This week, today, live your lives worthy. Live your lives as citizens of the Gospel of Christ. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. God, today I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Philippians. And for two months as a church, we can sit together and dig through this book. And God, I pray that these, these last verses that we went back and covered, that, that we live our lives worthy of the Gospel of Christ, that we just hold tight to those. That in joy and in love, we can hold tight to those and go out into this world that You say will give us tribulation, but You've overcome it. And we can go into the world with strong faith, completely knowing, completely believing that You've got us. And we can live our lives trusting You and living out the promptings of You. So God, bless us this week. Bring us back next week. Renew us. Change us. We praise You. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a great week, guys.